What's up, Internet? You're tuned in to episode 31 of the Video Game Pals, the Pals Network's weekly video game podcast where a group of lifelong gamers get to get to get... Oh my god. <laughs> we get together to talk about video games, the news, and how it all makes us feel. I'm your host, Pete and Bessie, joined as always by the Edgelord with the Heart of Gold, Mr. Robert Thompson. Hey. And the Guildmaster himself, Mr. Sean Bartley. Hello, hello. So uh, as you guys can see, Andy and Peggy are away this week, uh, but they will both be back with us next week. We'll have the full gang back together for the first time in what feels like a while. Um, but... Before we get into, you know, the meat of the show, we're going to kick the this, this show off the way we do by talking about what we're playing this week. And I have a lot to report. Uh, so, for starters, I fucking finished Super Mario Odyssey. Ooh. Nice. Yeah. Uh, and, my God, you guys, I love this game. I love it. I love it so much. Uh, it, it, I am going to have such a hard time picking my game of the year between this and Horizon, honestly. Oh, you're not, you're not considering Zelda anymore? No, I mean, it, it, it hasn't been in the running for me for a long time. Like, Zelda is a hard number three. All like, right. That's definitely not my number one. Um, and whichever Mario or, you know, Horizon isn't is going to get the number two spot, obviously. Uh, but yeah, man, I mean, this game, I was already... It was already a game of the year contender for me, but getting into the post-game, this is the best post-game content I've ever played since Pokemon Silver. Oh shit! Like, it's it's wow. fucking phenomenal. Like they release another few hundred moons into all the other maps to give you reasons to go back and just do all this new stuff that they added. But then there's also um, a thing I really I, I don't want to even talk about because it's like it's a spoiler that I I don't want to ruin for anybody. It's, um, it's cool. You can pass. But they, they unleash this new world that um, will be recognizable, for sure. Uh, and it's it's this thing that easily could have just been a little, like, kind of, like, nostalgic poke at you. And you'd be like, oh, cool. Like, it would get a pop from you just for that. But it's actually, like, incredible like the new level like um challenges that they put there like some of them are really fucking challenging it reminds me a lot of like super mario sunshine where you beat the game and then like the post-game content were like these insanely hard levels um and they're just so fun and uh there's like a new kind of like boss rush thing where there's like you get to refight all the bosses from the game over again um it's just it's incredible you know it's it's easily the best part of the game so far and saying that about a game that i already loved every you know second of is you know it's i i can't sing this game's praises enough you know it was full of surprises it was clever it was inventive it's incredibly charming uh and i i just i love it i can't recommend it highly enough if you're a nintendo switch owner and you don't have it yet thompson um (laughs) you gotta you gotta get it and if you know, if you're if you're waiting for a Nintendo Switch, if you're one of the many people who, you know, kind of wanted to see how it was going to go or wait until there's a few more games in the library, like, it's worth picking up for this game. Like, the other games that you want are going to come. You'll have something. It, between this and Zelda, like, you, you got to get on this chain, man. Um, nice. it, it was some of the best times I had this year. And in, in a long time, you know, it gave me feelings about a video game that I... 
I don't often get even in games I really love, you know? Um, there's there's a certain special sauce there that is just, you know, unique to Mario. So, uh, you know, I'm sure we'll talk more about that, not only in our Game of the Year discussion, but in the weeks to come when uh, Andy gets back. But uh, I also got to start um, South Park, The Factory But Whole. Oh, cool. I didn't know you had that, actually. Yeah, I picked it up on sale. Um, you know, a lot of the Black Friday sales have started coming out and everything. I was able to get that and Wolfenstein 2, both for 50% off. So, um, yeah, I haven't gotten... Wolfenstein didn't show up yet, but I got South Park um, probably about a week ago. I started playing it, I want to say, I guess, at the time of this recording, maybe f- maybe three or four nights into it. And I'm I'm putting in... Anywhere from like an hour to two hours a night, probably. So I think I'm, I think I'm about, to, I got about six hours on my game clock right now. Um, which according to the estimates I've read, I think I'm about a third of the way through the game. Uh, and I like it. It's good. You know, it's, it's, um, it's, it's obviously very funny. Uh, and it's, it's familiar, you know, like not in a, not in a bad way, but it definitely just feels like more of a thing that I like. You know, like I played Sick of Truth and that was a really kind of, revolutionary thing you know like it was like new and fresh and like really blew me away and this just feels like a sequel to that game and that's not a problem uh if you like that game you like this game um i think there's a lot of things that are like much improved about it uh the combat is awesome it fixed my main issues with the first game which were that you were only able to have one character with you at a time instead of like a party so the battles always felt really small um it just like it didn't feel as tactical as I wanted it to be. It was like a little too Final Fantasy light. And this isn't much better. Like having the team in a grid-based system definitely makes it more involved and more tactical. But, you know, even on max difficulty, um, now that I like know the system and have like a decent party, I don't have any trouble like wiping the floor with anybody, like even bosses or whatever. Um, I never die more than one time in a fight like uh, like the one time I've had a board wipe since the very beginning of the game was last night when I encountered a boss who did a thing I didn't know about. It was like a new mechanic they were introducing and it just wiped my team because I fucked up. Um, so like any like fair fight, uh, I don't have a problem winning, which I don't, I think for the nature of this game and who it's supposed to appeal to is like probably a good thing, you know, like it being a brisk light RPG is like probably where it wants to be. But I do wish that the max difficulty was like a little bit more challenging because it is a lot of fun. Um, it's just like a little too easy, I think. Maybe it'll pick up when you get like halfway in because you, you said you're only like a third. So Right. And that's kind of what I'm thinking is like there's definitely still ample opportunity for the game to get harder. Um, and the first game definitely did get challenging at points. But uh, that's kind of all I'm looking for. I'd like to see it where like it get it gets a little bit harder and it kind of forces me to like, use my items a little bit more tactily and stuff like that. Like, I'm not really using items and stuff like that. I'm just playing well enough that I wipe the floor with most of my opponents. You know, like, I was in a fight last night where I encountered, um... I was fighting, uh, Raisins Girls. And, oh, yeah, um, yeah. They have, like, a charm ability where they turn one of your characters against you. So I was effectively in, like, it was a 6v3, and I still fucking just owned face, you know? Um... So, but again, it's it's funny, it's a lot of fun. If you like South Park, if you like the Stick of Truth, definitely check it out. If you didn't play Stick of Truth, 
and you have any interest in either of these games, I would highly recommend buying it uh, this month. Not November, like, sorry, before the end of the year. Because they have a thing going on right now where up until January, if you buy the game, they give you a free download of the original game. So you get two games for the price of one, um, which is a lot of content. And the first game is fucking great. So uh, I, w- I would definitely, you know, if if you're into the, this kind of stuff, if you're into this this you know franchise this ip definitely check it out um uh okay and then the last thing i wanted to talk about is um animal crossing pocket camp which came out this week uh which i know we talked about i think on the news like two weeks ago maybe um i know you guys aren't animal crossing fans so i'm gonna try and i'm gonna try and uh keep it tight here but like i gotta talk about it a little bit um this game is so tight I'm really into it. Uh, it's like the perfect Animal Crossing mobile experience, I think. Like, it feels decidedly like an Animal Crossing experience, but in a very, like, unique and fresh way. Um, you know, like, I think, uh, Thompson, I know you played the Fire Emblem Heroes, right? Yeah, I did. So, like, you know how that game kind of just felt like a, a watered-down version of Fire Emblem a little bit. And not in a bad way, but, like, it was just, like, this is a smaller, like, Fire Emblem light game. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I agree. So, what I like about this is it doesn't feel that way. Like, it doesn't just feel like a watered-down Animal Crossing. Because, like, the goals you have are different. Having, like, the campsite as well as your own individual house and everything, but not having, like, the broader town or the other stuff for you to interact with makes you very focused on this one space and building it out in a way that's like way different than anything else you've ever done just because of the way that you're trying to like entice people to come to your space and everything like that. It it just has these very unique mechanics that are like, they're totally animal crossing. It's very comfortably in the animal crossing, uh, you know, franchise, but it's, it's not, just playing the game on mobile. And I, I think that's really cool because I think it it feels fresh because of that and I don't think it'll cannibalize a real Animal Crossing game when it inevitably comes to the Switch, you know? Um, because they do feel like two different experiences in a lot of ways. There are obvious similarities, right? Like you're still collecting shit, fishing, catching bugs, running errands, all that kind of crap, but the way you're doing it folds out uh, way differently. Um, and the thing I like about it the most is I think like the way that the mobile mechanics are implemented are actually really perfect for an animal crossing game. Um, the microtransactions are like fair and unintrusive. Um, I'm level 22 and that, which is pretty far and I haven't spent a dime. Um, the like leaf tickets are the like premium currency that you pay money for, but you earn them like really frequently in the game just from leveling up and uh, completing objectives. So I was able to earn like a few hundred of them just from playing the game and doing stuff naturally. Um, so that's huge. I, I think that there's, that's going to plateau eventually. I'm going to hit a point where it'll be harder to level. And I won't, you know, it's, I think like pretty much any game, right? Like when you get to a high level in Overwatch, eventually the, that grind to get the box is a little slower. So you're more inclined to spend money. Um, which by that point, it'll be fine. I think like I'll be happy to throw them 10 bucks or whatever. If I, after I've put, you know, I've already put several hours into this game, so I, I feel like I probably owe them something. Um, but yeah, I think uh, it, it's really good because what I like about, you know, 
waiting in mobile games is always a huge mechanic of it. But Animal Crossing has always kind of been built to be played in like 30 minute, 40 minute bites. You know, you go, you run a couple errands, you do your shit, you tag out, you come back tomorrow. And it's perfect. Like I wake up in the morning, I do a couple things. I let the game sit for a few hours and let all my stuff cook, come back, do the shit all over again. Uh, and it's got this like really perfect, satisfying gameplay loop that's perfect for when I'm like, you know, on the toilet or if I go out and get lunch or whatever, you know, waiting at a loading screen in the actual game that I'm playing. Like it's uh, it's it's been really good and I'm having a ton of fun with it. Um, the the one thing I'll point out is that there there were some really serious server issues uh, that were common in the first week. Uh, I had some trouble logging into the game. I was getting kicked. Um, stuff like that was definitely a problem. And, you know, that's anyone who's played a Nintendo mobile game is, like, not going to be surprised by that. But, uh, you know, it's it's really light on battery. And uh, otherwise, it, it, it runs really good. It looks great. And um, I definitely recommend you check it out if you're a fan of Animal Crossing. Uh, and um, me and Kale and Marco from the Comics Pals are all playing the game. So if you want to jump on uh, Instagram or Twitter, we put up uh, – threads where you can get our friend codes and add us so um come connect with me and uh let's like uh let's give each other kudos and and buy shit from each other <laughs> all right sorry guys i got that's, i'm stepping off my soapbox now so <laughs> uh anything that you guys want to talk about before we move into the the news uh no <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm pretty good man so, Thompson, on a scale from 1 to 10 animals, how excited are you to start our Animal Crossing Pals play? Uh, what's the it, lowest baby? on this one? One. Alright, zero? <laughs> I can't wait. I have zero, I really don't care about this game at all. Oh, like not you, this one. We're going back. We're playing the game. No, Cube I mean, Classic, that's what, baby. that's what I mean, especially that one. Like, you only play the better, <laughs> like, apparently better ones. That are oh, already we're playing out? the best one. We're playing the best oh, one. No, That's Jesus. what we're going to do. All right. So if you guys want to let us know what you're playing this week, uh, give us a random question or just say, hey, you guys can write in to us at thevideogamepals at gmail.com to hear your thoughts right on the air. You guys can also follow our sister show at the Comics Pals, wherever your social media is sold. Stay up to date on all the stuff we've got going on here at the Pals Network. And if you're an audio listener, we would greatly appreciate it if you guys would drop us a like on your platform of choice. Or if you really want to help us out, you can head over to iTunes, uh, where we're currently a five-star rated podcast, and you can drop us whatever rating you think we deserve. If you're on YouTube, uh, you you guys can do us a solid to like this video, uh, subscribe to the channel if you haven't already, and um, check out some of the stuff we've got going on over on YouTube that's exclusive there. Uh, we've got our daily Let's Play show with me and Thompson Pals Play. We had a special go up last week uh, with me and Phil from the Comics Pals where we played a little bit of uh, SmackDown 2, Know Your Role on the PS1, and uh, we made some hideous, hideous fucking wrestlers and, uh, and had them duke it out for the Pals belt. So... That was a great time. Uh, we've got more Mario Odyssey coming out this week. So go check that out if you're a fan of Let's Plays. Uh, and then last but not least, the best thing you guys can do uh, to help the show is to share it with your pals so they can become our pals too. Oh, and real quick, Sean, why don't you plug uh, the, the little special that you and Peggy did? Sure, yeah. So we did a, a special covering a bunch of the different um, major championship tournaments that took place across esports. So we covered Injustice 2, Heroes of the Storm, League of Legends, and Overwatch, 
all that stuff happened uh, within about a week time span. And so we just got together to talk about that stuff. And uh, thought it was a really good conversation. Peggy is extremely knowledgeable about those games. And, uh, you know, I know a little thing or two as well. <laughs> so um, check it out, if, especially if you're interested in any of those games. Uh, I think you'll find something to enjoy about our conversation. And if you enjoy it, let us know so that we can do more stuff like that. Yeah, please check it out. Let us know what you think and uh, what you'd like to see us do with esports stuff in the future because it's definitely something we're looking to get into now that we've got Peggy on board. Um, So with that, I think that means it's time for the random question of the week. All right, so since last week was Thanksgiving, I wanted to ask you boys, what are you thankful for this year in regards to video games? Oh, uh, well, I was going to say, I'm thankful for our Japanese overlords taking the crown this year. Nintendo has done a great job of driving the industry, and I feel like getting getting the Switch out and seeing, like, uh, yeah, seeing the Switch out, Mario and Zelda, um, I haven't played a Mario or Zelda game since, you know, the 64, and, like, those, those games have been great. I mean, you're saying it's, like, uh, Mario's probably your game of the year. Uh, I totally agree, man, like, Nintendo's been just rocking it, you know, everything about him this year. If It's brought, like, new life uh, into series that I used to love, and not only that, but this Switch is just great. It's just such a cool thing to have this year, you know? Yeah, absolutely. What about you, Shawnee? Uh, so, for me, um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm thankful for uh, Blizzard. I really just love their games. I mean, Heroes of the Storm is something that I picked up this year, and uh, I couldn't be happier with that game. It's so, so, so good. It's the only MOBA that ever grabbed me, and uh, hasn't let it hasn't let go. Um, and I'm especially thankful considering all the stuff we've talked about regarding loot boxes and microtransactions that the game that I play doesn't have those problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's fair. Um, it's it's funny to see like your favorite developer is kind of like the gold standard of it where it's like even where we were kind of like criticizing uh Overwatch last year, it's like you look at it now and it's like, no, like that's pretty much the way to do it. Overwatch and Heroes, like perfect systems, man. Yeah. Not gross at all. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Um it it feels really good to be on that side of the argument, um, playing a game that gets it right and being able to just enjoy loot boxes for what they are and not having it be a huge uh, issue in the game that I want to play. Uh, so I'm really just thankful for Blizzard on that front. Nice. Uh, I wanted to ask, this is kind of a non sequitur, but have you ever put money into Heroes of the Storm? Nope. Cool. Uh, I wanted to. But then I quickly realized that you can get everything you want to get for free. Yeah. And I, th- there are no characters that I want to play that I don't own. And if there were, I could buy them because I have a lot of gold. Yeah, because you play um, the game all the time. So, so. I, I play pretty regularly, yeah. So it's not, a, it's not an issue. And even then, I've gotten very lucky in terms of getting free characters mm. through loot boxes, stuff like that. And Heroes 2.0 uh, really was a huge help, giving you a huge grouping of characters right out the yeah, gate. Yeah, yeah. So, oh my god. What, they gave, what was it, like yeah. 40, right? Like, or something like that? It was like a huge amount. It's 20, characters. I think. 20? Okay. Yeah, and beyond that, I mean, Sean, I've had seven uh, legendaries come out of loot boxes from that game. So, 
I totally agree, man. Like the first uh, two months that I was really back into Heroes 2.0, not only did I get the 20 from that that update, but I just kept pulling them from loot boxes, man, just one after another. And like the the ten thousand dollar ones or gold ones, you know? Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, I exactly. I really loved Heroes 2.0. You know, the 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 time that I did spend with it, I got I got had a lot of fun with that for a while. And like, <laughs> this sounds like shitty to say, but the thing that I'm most thankful for from that specifically was that like it lit a fire under League of Legends and like that's why they developed their loot system cuz there wasn't one there wasn't the system that there is in place until Heroes came out with theirs and then they're like oh shit we should we should copy that that's <laughs> <laughs> fair that that's great because you know it's good when so people complain when developers or whatever copy something that that they see in another game in my opinion, if something is working and you know it's going to be better for your consumers, then yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If if the if the system that Heroes has works and you think, wow, this is really cool, I think people would like this. People that play League, yeah, let's bring it on board. Yep. I don't see any harm in that, dude. And like the changes they made uh, for this most recent season, I've only played like one or two games since then. But oh my god, they've they've streamlined the process so much, and a lot of it does feel a little bit more like Heroes in terms of just being a clear line of ha- of where you know where you can of the funnel of how to get the stuff you want without spending money um and then being like hey but you could also spend money um which is perfect right um so uh for me i definitely echo thompson's statements on nintendo's fucking phoenix like rise from the ashes of the wii u uh, I have loved my time with the Nintendo Switch. I loved Zelda. You know, um, I, I literally played Zelda all year. Um, I still have stuff to chip away in it. Um, I, I've loved Mario. Obviously, I sung its praises earlier in the show. Uh, Splatoon, Mario Kart, like, uh, even smaller stuff like Golf Story, Poyo Poyo Tetris. Like, I have spent a lot of time with the Nintendo Switch this year. Um, and like couch play with like Mario Kart and arms has been like, in a like a thing I haven't done as frequently in so long, you know, like even bringing my switch to like our local bar and hooking it up to the TV and playing games with my friends on Monday nights and stuff like that. Like I, I fucking love the switch. Um, and I, I, it's just so good to see Nintendo back on top and I can't wait to see where they go moving forward. Um, I also wanted to give a shout out to uh, Deck Nine Games and their work on Life is Strange Before the Storm. Uh, as you guys know, I'm a huge fan of Life is Strange. Uh, this game had everything going against it. You know, it, it was Deck Nine was a new development team working on you know Don't Nod's IP. They were telling an or like a not an origin a um, a prequel story that I don't necessarily know needed to be told. And, you know, they lost the main actress, uh, Ashley Birch, because of the voice actor strike for Chloe. So they had to bring in all these new voice actors. And, you know, there were so many things going against this game that really could have uh, allowed it to be mediocre or or just terrible. And I love it. It's, it's like, just as good as the first game. And... I am so excited for episode three. I, I really appreciate the work that, that those that those guys and gals have put in to understand who Chloe is and to tell a story that feels meaningful in that universe and, and really expands on it in a way that um, I didn't know that I wanted. Uh, so I'm, I'm hugely thankful for the work that they put into that game. And then last but not least, just Horizon. You know, I'm so thankful for, for Gorilla for making a brand new IP 
that uh, speaks directly to my sensibilities. You know, I, I've talked a lot about Horizon this year, and I'm sure I'll talk a lot more about it in the weeks to come. So um, I won't belabor that point too much. But, uh, man, what a year. What a year 2017's been. Man, Gundam Versus came over, and that's also Japanese. So, like, that's great, too. Japan's rocking. Persona 5. <laughs> Um, but all right. So again, if you guys want to write in with your own random question of the week, uh, hit us in the comments, get us on, you know, so- social media, probably Twitter is the easiest way to do that one. And, uh, as always, you can write in to the video game at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. So with that, I guess it means it's time for the news, the news, we talking about the news, the news, the news, we talking about the news. All right. All right, so thanks to the holiday, we've got a short short news list this week. It's only uh, four items, so it's pretty light. Um, unfortunately, if you're as sick of hearing about loot boxes as we are about discussing them, strap in. Uh, <laughs> but in the spirit of that, we're going to kick things off with my favorite story to come out this week. Uh, CD Projekt Red, who's the team behind uh, Witcher, the, the Witcher franchise, uh, throwing some major shade at companies that use loot boxes. Uh, so CD Projekt joint CEO Adam Kaczynski, I think, uh, basically a few times now, has talked about how in, in their upcoming game, Cyberpunk 2099, that there is going to be multiplayer. That this is something that they're, that they're going to have in the game, right? So um, there was an interview... Uh, from a Polish outlet um, where he said, quote, we're interested in cyberpunk being commercially even more significant and quote, online is very necessary or very recommended if you, if you wish to achieve long-term success. So that, um, you know, understandably uh, got some gamers concerned. You know, I think a lot of people were kind of like, a lot of people kind of jumped to the conclusion that they meant like a games as service thing. You know, they, they mean something like GTA Online or something like that. So this YouTube uh, channel called Pretty Good Gaming uh, made a YouTube video that was called um, CD Projekt Red are considering games as service for Cyberpunk 2077 as part of their drive to make it more quote, commercially significant. So uh, CD Projekt Red responded to that and they said, worry not. When thinking CP2077, think nothing less than The Witcher 3. Huge, single-player, open-world, story-driven RPG. No hidden catch. You get what you pay for. No bullshit. Just honest gaming like with Wild Hunt. We leave greed to others. It was like, we leave greed, Damn. right? It's like, oh, fuck. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah, these guys are pretty cool. I I, uh, I, I love this. I love, I love how transparent this is. You know, I, I think... Um, CD Projekt Red gets a lot of love because of the way that they are like this. You know, like, they are no bullshit. They're the kind of company that'll say no bullshit in a public statement. They're the kind of company that includes a thank you letter in every copy of The Witcher 3. They're the company that will give you a 250-hour game and then give you free DLC and then charge you 20 bucks for another 250 hours. So the fact that they're out here when people are saying single player is dead, it's not viable, all this stuff, and they're like, no, fuck you, it is, is uh, is pretty cool. Yeah, they have room to talk. I mean, they're doing it better than anybody else. So, I mean, it makes sense, right? Like, I'm not even a Witcher guy, but I don't really think you can debate that, you know, when you look at that model, you know? Yeah, I mean, the, ma- the, the size of the game that they've put out, I'm not a Witcher fan either, really, uh, but the Witcher 3 is gigantic, and then the free DLC was, like probably as big as the original game and then a $20 thing for another thing as big as the original game again so 
Yeah, like there's like over fucking, I think it's like 750 hours worth of stuff to do in The Witcher 3 if you get all three DLCs. It's fucking crazy, man. It's crazy. That's, you that's can't, you huge... can't argue with a scope like that for a single-player game, you know? No, and I, and I think grand total, I mean, if you buy it not on sale, like if you had bought it all brand new or whatever, that's like the price tag's like maybe 100 bucks for all that stuff. Whereas like you're paying that much for a game in a season pass for yeah. some games that you're only going to play for a year. You some, know? Ent- like, some entry fees for other games are $100, sure, you know? Sure, So, uh... Just, I don't know. I thought this was really funny, for one thing, and just good on them. You know, yeah. like, this is this is pretty cool. Um, it's it's cool to see them be this human, you know? Yeah, definitely. I think that's a thing we don't really see enough uh, from from big developers like them. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about that in our meat potatoes. Uh, so now, it's time for our weekly check-in with 2017's biggest upset, Star Wars Battlefront 2! Oh, boy. <laughs> According to GamesIndustry.biz, the game's physical sales in the UK are, like, significantly lower than expected. Uh, So UK retailers told uh, GamesIndustry.biz last month that they believed the game would outsell Battlefield 1, which was DICE's big shooter last year. Uh, But in reality, in the game's first week of sales, sales are down more than 50% from Battlefield 1 and more than uh, over 61% from the original Battlefront in 2015. Yeah, and this is supposed wow. to be an apology for the first one, right? So it's like... <laughs> yeah, and I mean, when you look at all the controversy around this, the all the stuff that's been going on with the loot boxes, the fact that the single player is apparently not good um, and, you know, feels rushed and has a bunch of stuff shoehorned in. Um, yeah, I mean, I can't say it's a surprise, but, like, wow, that's 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 really low. Like, that's way less... Yeah, and I mean, what I've heard is that the multiplayer is actually good. That's uh, what I've heard too. And so it's it's pretty it's pretty unfortunate because I think about Dice in this situation. They're not the ones who made this decision. Um, they didn't choose the loot box drama and the microtransaction drama. Uh, EA did, <clears throat> and so you know they're probably going to be the ones who get hammered on. Yeah. Um, and they really don't deserve that. Uh, but this is what happens. This is what happens. The The word of mouth about this game prior to its release has been so unbelievably bad. And then even during its release that now the sales of the game are negatively affected. And hopefully the entire industry learns a lesson from this situation. Yeah, that's I mean, at this point, that's really all we can hope for, because like I think, you know, this game will probably be fine. I'm sure they'll fix a lot of these issues. They'll have a sale. There'll be increased interest around it when the movie comes out and everything. Like, I think there's still a chance for this game to find an audience and be not a commercial flop. But it being the game that they wanted it to be, that they sold to us, that they, you know, touted it as being the apology at E3, is that's never going to happen. You know, this was this is worse than the first one. Yeah. Um, I read, I read an article that talked about how gamers are, uh, gamers are overreacting to the situation with Battlefront 2 mm-hmm. and how, uh, realistically games should cost more money. Yeah. And that as, as a form of entertainment, games are dollar for, or dollar for dollar, 
they are they provide you with way more entertainment for far less money than any other kind of possible experience. Hundred uh, percent entertainment wise. Yeah, that's all true. But here's the problem with that logic: is that just because games provide you with uh, a lot of bang for your buck doesn't mean that gamers need to just bend over and take whatever it is that a games publisher uh, wants to throw your way. And on top of that, all it really illuminates to me is that every other form of entertainment is more expensive than it should be. <laughs> yeah. Uh, movies are too expensive. You can Going to the movies is a bad bet. There's no reason to go to the movies. You will save money by buying the DVD or renting it through a million different services or waiting for it to be on Netflix. There's no reason to go to the movies. Um, like All of these other systems, all these other forms of entertainment are overpriced. Games, should they be slightly more expensive? I think for what they provide you, you can make that argument. But gamers have put their foot down. And I think all that, that, all that this really illuminates is that other... other um, we, we should be doing the same thing in other industries. There's no reason I should be paying $16 for a movie ticket. It's crazy. It's tough, though, man, because it, it's one of those things where, like, I, I think you're right to some degree. Specifically, like, let's stick with the movie example before we move on to another one. Um, I think you're right that it's clearly a better value for you to get to rent a movie after the fact and not go see it in a theater. But you're paying for an experience, I think, more than you are um, the... You're paying for the experience of seeing the movie, but you're also paying for the experience of seeing the movie in a public place with a crowd on a big screen and and having it be like a night out and an event, you know? And I think that for that, you're paying like a premium price. Um, and I, I think that's going to increasingly be the case as movies continue to struggle, right? I think more and more small theaters are going to close and we'll probably only have places like Alamo Drafthouse or whatever that provide like a high-end premium experience and it'll be even more money. Um, but but that's but that's the problem is that it wasn't always like that. Because it used to be more you, viable. People used to do it more. Well, I mean, the problem is that prices go up and prices go up, but people aren't making more money. That's a whole other conversation, but yeah. the reality is that as entertainment has has decided that you know they needed to charge more, uh, people have had less dollars to spend on that. In the nineties, uh, I used to be able to go see any movie at any time, and my fam, my whole family could go. Can't do that now. It would cost you over a hundred dollars. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah, I mean, but that's, like that's, that's it's because less people go to the movies, though, right? Like they, they don't have a reason to. Yeah, but right, like that's that's I guess the the problem, right? Is like when we discussed about the single player stuff. Is I think there does come a point where some of the stuff that we want to play is a premium product, and if we're not willing to pay for it, then it can't. It, it isn't commercially viable. It's like when fucking comics got raised a buck, right? It was like. I think comics are too expensive for what, you know, for like what you get out of it. Granted, I think the one key difference is like if you buy things that are relevant, they might increase in value. And that's not true of any other art form. But like it's hardly true of comics. Yeah, it's very, very, very rarely true. Um, but, you know, comics are I think that would they cost way more than they should for what you get out of the experience. But in the same breath, it's like, but do you want that experience to exist? Are you willing to spend the money to make sure that that thing you want gets funded? Because otherwise it doesn't – you don't get the product you want. 
that's a privileged position. Not everybody can afford to do that. That's being saying saying, well, just put money into this because you want it to exist is like, okay, great. But if I'm a father and and I have a wife and I have X amount of kids, I can't afford to support going to the movies. I can't spend a hundred dollars to go to the movies when I could spend twenty dollars to buy the DVD in literally two months. There's no reason why it should be so expensive. And when it comes to video games, uh, do you have the ability to spend $60 on every game that comes out that, that interests you? No. So you have to make choices. So some people lose in that situation. And that's that's that sucks for games. Now, if you want to exacerbate the problem, charge more money. So You so will make the problem worse. Absolutely. Like, yeah, so as a guy who works at a movie theater and plays video games, I want to just say that, that exact reason is why movies suffer more now i think you know than they did even before because i see people that come in and buy the tickets and sure but less and less people go to the concession stand and the concession stands prices keep going up and you know then they pay us employees less and then that like happens in the games too we sometimes see like the layoffs you know that like oh well they didn't make enough money from this thing so like they have to lay off some people for the game development team and then the next one comes out a little you know like we we have the same problem across the board with a lot of these things and i think like i'm i'm definitely in that group i cannot afford to buy like i would love to have mario but i cannot afford it you know there's no fucking way i can get that shit because it is 60 bucks and that's just more than i have you know yeah i'm lucky if i have six and i (laughs) think yeah to to me though that's where i think the validity of that article that sean brought up comes in is like that's why loot crates and microtransactions need to exist I don't think they need to go away. I wasn't arguing yeah. that. No, I, you guys aren't. Um, oh. I, but a lot of people are. A lot of people say mm-hmm. if a game costs $60, there should be no microtransactions, period. If a game has microtransactions, it shouldn't be, con- you know, like I literally read a comment the other day, got in a conversation with somebody on Instagram who said if a game has microtransactions, it shouldn't be able to be nominated for game of the year. Fuck. Oh, really? I mean, that's a little too far, I think. That, yeah, and I'm saying that's an extreme position, but a lot of gamers feel that way. A lot of gamers look at this as a principled position to say, all microtransactions are bad, game developers are, and publishers are greedy, they don't need to charge more than $60, games don't cost more to make, it's fine. Well, with every, they're like, making enough. They're making enough money. With every, like, like, large, you know, like, thing like this, we're going to have everything boiled down to, like, very broad opinions by the masses. But the real discussions are going to be done by, you know, the people on the inside and the companies and the shareholders that want their more money, you know? Yeah. So... And and it's it's the thing of, like, there's there's an interesting line here, right? Of, like, I think you look at... like, you look at uh, Blizzard, right? Activision Blizzard. When we talked about... They made, like, what? It was, like, two or three billion dollars in microtransactions in 2017. Um, or 2016, whatever it was. Um, that, that to me, is, like, where this conversation is where we're at with it, right? Is that I think we're in this dance between gamers and developers, publishers, whoever, of where's the line? Yeah, Where's the yeah. line of what we're willing to pay extra and where is it where do we cry foul? You know, and I yeah. think like And this has never come up before, so this this is the first time we've had to really deal with it. And it's been There's growing been, pains, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. And you know, we've seen this before though, right? Like last generation it was season passes. Mm-hmm. You know, or it was horse armor and oblivion or whatever, you know? Yeah, it's yeah. there's always some some shit that that 
it's been building this for a while because developers and publishers need to find ways to make more money. You know, games need to develop more for how much they cost to make, period. But I think that that's like what CD Projekt Red guy was saying about the greed aspect. They don't always have to make more money. Making money, they're going to make money. But do they need to make more money every time? Probably not. It's like you need to make a profit, but do you need to make the absolute most maximum profit that you can make? Yeah, right. That's the conversation. Mm -hmm. Because I think you look at EA. EA is trying to squeeze every single fucking bit of blood out of a stone that they can. Yeah, this and will CD Projekt Red isn't doing that. They're like, hey, we're making money. We're profitable. That's great. It's also worth pointing out that they're a fucking, you know, um, I forget what, what country they're based out of. But Poland, yeah. And they, I'm pretty sure they get subsidies for game development there. So, like, grain of salt. But that's the point, right? Is, like, could Activision Blizzard be like, hey, you know what? Three point four million dollars, two point four million that or billion dollars, that's enough. That's enough. You know, like and the problem is for a big company like that, their whole point is to make money. So enough is never going to be enough. They always want to maximize the profits and show growth and show that they're bigger than they were last year. And the easiest way to do that is to try and tighten the you know yeah i'm not saying that activision is doing that but i mean that's what we're seeing with all these companies right is what is the most we can squeeze out of them before they scream yeah it sucks because it's like we we or at least most of us i feel we understand businesses gotta make money and business practices dictated that they gotta do this and there are shareholders and stuff but at the same time like you know there is a they want oh no upper limit but i think this is the first time that people are saying, well, here's our upper limit, you know, some, some area at least. And not everyone agrees with that, but like, it's coming up finally. I think, I I don't think there needs to be an upper limit in the sense that like, Hey, if you, if you sell a thing, right. And you put that thing on the shelf and there's just millions of people that want to buy it, then great. You know, you're not setting a cap on how much money you can make. You're just providing something that people happen to want. In Heroes of the Storm, that's the example I keep going back to. You could buy loot boxes. You could buy experience bonuses, but you could also not. It's it's all about how you want to play the game. But it doesn't impact your your gameplay in the sense, in in the way that it does in Battlefront 2. That's the problem. The problem is when Capcom releases... Uh, Street Fighter versus Tekken, and people data mine characters already on the disc that are simply locked yeah. behind a paywall. They, they did yeah, that uh, the Marvel vs. Capcom three ages yep. ago. That, yeah, that was that was like nobody so so long ago now. Right, nobody wants those kind of situations, and those kind of situations are the ones that breed bad blood between gamers and developers, and lead to people feeling like, oh, you know what. There shouldn't be any microtransactions at all. That's that's an extreme opinion, but it comes from a place of being burned yeah. over and over yeah. and over. Again. Born I from think malice. It's, un- <laughs> it's it's unfortunate though because I think these people they're so close minded. They want to throw the baby out with the bathwater because like there are so many examples of companies that do it and it's fine. Like again, I've bitched and moaned about Overwatch's system because I want to be able to buy a fucking May skin and just take my ten fucking dollars, Blizzard. But. <laughs> It's fine. It's a fine system. It doesn't affect the game at all. The game plays great. And I don't I don't have a problem with that system. Or like Grand Theft Auto V, the most successful game of all fucking time, mind you. That's a perfect system. It's a perfect 
fully flushed out single player experience that has over 60 hours of content, well over 60 hours of content, plenty of stuff you could do if you never even touched the fucking multiplayer experience. But what is the thing that's been making them billions of dollars since they put that game out? That. People buying the $60 box copy, getting into the fucking multiplayer shit, and being so engaged in that world that they want to spend money. Not that they have to. Right. Yeah, that's and, that's know, a game where entirely, like, they're not sucking it out of people, they're willingly giving it in. Which is, you know, Her- Heroes and Grand- GTA Online are games like that, which I think, you know, that, it's good. It's good that they're shit. there, the, these bastions, fucking- you know? Yeah, to take it back to what I said earlier, Animal Crossing, Pocket Camp, is perfect for that. There's a perfect loop there, and it's like, oh, hey, you've been playing the game for 40 hours, and you want to, like, move this thing along a little quicker? Maybe give us some money, finally. Okay, yeah. Because, like, at this point, I don't feel bad. Like, when I first got the game, and I was looking at what I could buy, I was like, I don't really feel comfortable spending money on it. Now that I've put all this time into it, I do. I feel like, yeah, you know what? Fine, I'll give you guys some money. I like this game. That's what happened with League. You know, it's the reason I still will spend money on League. I've spent over, I know I've spent like, I think a hundred something dollars on League. Like maybe oh, 120 geez. or something like that over over the six years I've played it. That's twice as much as I, they would have gotten out of me if it was a $60 box copy because I give a shit about the game. And like that to me is the way to do this. Make a game that I love so much that I want to spend more money on it. That I want to support them with that extra $5 or whatever. God fucking loot boxes anyway so moving right along (laughs) well we're hot now okay so uh so we've got a small update from one of last week's stories as it seems that gazillion entertainment has fired nearly all of its employees and is closing down marvel marvel heroes before the date that they provided so a company-wide letter from ceo david van david von dorman which is a that's such a comic book name dude (laughs) david von dorman (laughs) I'm the doorman! <laughs> anyway, um, so he informed His name Joy, is DVD. <laughs> DVD! <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he informed the majority of the staff that they had been laid off the day before Thanksgiving. Okay. Nice. Yeah, what and the man. few remaining employees are Jeez. staying on to handle down the company's closure. So the story went public when various now former Gazillion employees spoke to sources like PCGamesN.com and took to uh, platforms like Discord and Twitter to voice their frustration. So I want to just read some of their tweets for you guys real quick. Uh, So here we have from Andrew Hare. Happy holidays. The company is dead and you're all laid off. (laughs) Uh, Brian Wagoner at ASROS on Twitter. Officially unemployed on the day before Thanksgiving. Nice. Uh, and then from Anthony Gallegos, who's at ChuffMonkey on Twitter. Today we were told no severance, not even paying out PTO. Good job, guys. I figured this would happen, so I appreciate all the support you've given to Shasta. Uh, and then he has a, a link to his GoFundMe for his sick dog. So if you guys want to – I'm going to link to um, – there's a Polygon article here where I'm, I'm reading these from. Uh, go help Anthony – Anthony's dog, man, because he's unemployed now and his dog's sick. So this is obviously really sad. Um, Not surprising, I don't think. You know, we knew that Marvel Heroes was going to be shut down, but, you know, they were supposed to at least have, like, another month of work. So to have this rug kind of pulled out from under them uh, is really, really sad. And, you know, our hearts obviously go out to all the people that are affected by this and... um, you know, we hope you land on your feet. We hope you find somewhere else soon. Yeah, this is pretty unfortunate. Um, 
you know, it just, it just, th- this company's not going to exist anymore. So, you know, whatever. But like, it, it puts, it leaves you with such a bad taste in your mouth. Uh, this game was pretty enjoyable for for some time. It also had some pretty like gross practices regarding microtransactions. Uh, when it launched, there were some really big problems with it. It always gave me the vibe, even though I did enjoy it, it always gave me the vibe that they were trying to get as much money as they possibly could out of gamers. Um, and in the end, it just feels like they didn't care about anybody. Their employers, the gamers, nobody. You know, that they're going to shut the game down prior to uh, December 31st, uh, it, it looks like. Um you know they would fire their their employee their employees um, <laughs> the day before Thanksgiving. I mean, come on, who does? It's <laughs> so cruel, right? I'm thankful for what. Oh, I had, used to have a job. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's really nasty. So it's a really bad way to go out, man. Like the level of uh, disrespect uh, across all platforms. You know, to like you said, you know, the gamers, um, you know, the employees, especially, um, pretty much everyone. I'm guessing. <laughs> Everyone they had contact with. Yeah, man. And, you know, it's hard because, like, I think, you know, especially when you're looking at some of these people who are like, you know, I'm sure that they all were working really hard to make this the best game it could be. And, you know, it sucks that a business decision that doesn't really seem to have much to do with their work or the success of the game led to the game not only getting canned, but then then just being out of work with really no warning uh, is just... That's horrible. Like, what a situation to be put in, you know? Especially so close to the holidays. And, um, yeah, I mean, again, our hearts go out to them, and, and good luck to you. Uh, and uh, just just for you gamers out there, if you were playing the game, as of this recording, the game appears to still be live. Um, but rumors are circling that the game is supposed to be shut down this Sunday. So I don't know if that means today or next Sunday, because it does seem to still be up. Um, but not the original date, which is December 31st. So uh, many players are um, reportedly able to get refunds from Sony and Microsoft for any of the in-game currency that that they bought because the game was only out for like six months on PS4 and Xbox One, um, and are and are getting that refund. So oh, that's good. Uh, I would consider this a PSA if the game is still live by the time you hear this. Um, if not, uh, sorry. I hope you didn't lose money because that sucks. But uh, good on Sony and Microsoft for issuing the refunds. I thought that was... They didn't have to do that. Um, but that's that's good practices for them, for sure. So, uh, good on you there. All right, so in our final news story of the day, uh, Bungie has changed the XP system in Destiny 2 after players realized it was a rigged system. So, since uh, none of us are Destiny guys, I'm going to read a bit from Kotaku's article on the subject by editor Kirk Hamilton... Uh, so that we can feel informed and weigh in. So, uh, Kirk writes, Bungie has announced that it's changing how Destiny 2 handles experience points, uh, which comes in response to players who have been raising questions about it over recent days with a growing consensus that the system was rigged. For a while, after starting a new character in Destiny 2, experience points are what you use to level up. You get more XP, your level climbs, you get new abilities, the usual. Once you've played a few hours and hit the soft level cap of 20, however, XP takes on a different role. You still get XP, but instead of leveling up, each time you fill your experience bar, you get a bright engram. Bright engram 
programs are Destiny's loot boxes. Each one contains a few randomized cosmetic items like emotes, ships, and ornaments for your gear. You can also purchase bright engrams for real money in the game's Eververse microtransaction store. In the wake of controversies over loot boxes in games like Battlefront 2, any indication of a rig system was sure to set players off. Last weekend, Destiny 2 had its first, uh, quote, Clarion Call event, which gave, a bon- which gave bonus XP to players when they were joined by at least one of their clanmates. In the wake of that event, some players noticed that the longer they played, the slower they'd progress, despite the fact that they were repeating the same activities. The first time of... Huh. <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, So the first time a player would earn 5,000 XP, they'd see a large chunk of their XP bar fill. The second or third or 15th time that they earned the same number of XP, the bar bar would get a much smaller chunk. Um, There's like a a, a link to a video here that you can uh, check out if you want to see it for yourself. Um, Or uh, sorry, it's uh, not a video. It's a Reddit thing that proves the whole breakdown of that these these guys uh, found out. So... All week, players have been sharing anecdotal evidence suggesting that something was off by the way the game displayed XP gains. Yesterday, Reddit user EnergizerX posted a lengthy analysis of XP gains and determined that, according to their findings, the game was throttling XP progress invisibly while telling players they were earning XP as usual. In a post today on the official blog, Bungie essentially confirmed that players' findings were correct and said that it is immediately suspending the XP throttling system. Here's the statement. We've seen community discussion around XP gain in Destiny. After viewing our data, we agree that the system is not performing the way we'd like it to. The system isn't what? It's performing exactly how you want it to. You just got caught. (laughs) (laughs) Today, we'd like to describe what's going on under the hood and talk about what you can expect going forward when it comes to earning XP in Destiny 2. Currently, XP will scale up when when playing longer or fixed duration. Sorry. Currently, XP will scale up when playing longer or fixed duration activities like Crucible competitive multiplayer matches and the Leviathan Raid, and XP will scale down when playing activities that can be quickly, repeatedly chained, like grinding public events. We are not happy with the results, and we've heard the same with the community. Effective immediately, we are deactivating this system. As a result, players will see XP earn rates change for all activities across the board, but with all values being displayed consistently in the user interface. Over the course of the next week, we will be watching and reviewing XP game data to ensure that these changes meet our expectations as well as yours. Any additional updates to this system will be communicated to you via our official channels. So, like, this is ridiculous. Um, There's a little bit more here that, you know, it's just context we, w- we wouldn't know, but, um, uh, like... Why you would ever display a number and then hiddenly either enhance it or decrease it just is beyond me. I don't know why you shady. would ever do that. Yeah, yeah, right. And that that's the thing is, like, they say, like, oh, we're not happy with how this is working. It's like, yeah, because you lied about it and you got caught. Like, what do you mean? Like, they're trying to act like this is like, oh, this is an unfair system that's been brought to our attention. It's like... No, you're, like, clearly misrepresenting numbers. Like, that's fucking... That's really yeah. shady. Mm-hmm. This is what gamers are talking about. You know, we... So, so gamers have the reputation for being entitled, for being greedy, for being, you know, this and that. And it's like, okay, fine. Somewhat In some rightfully. instances... Yeah. Because it thinks like... like <laughs> when I buy a comic book, whatever the price is is whatever the price is, and when I go home and I read it, I read it. That's it. There's no hidden, like, I'm not missing a page. They didn't They didn't tell me there's going to be 22 issues and it's actually 21. You know, like, Sorry, the, if you want page 19, like, you're going to need to Venmo us $1.50. <laughs> right. 
Like, oh, if you want to see the secret last page, you know, like there's nothing, there's nothing like that anywhere but games. Game gaming companies are the only people who can do this kind of thing, and they do it all the time. This is why gamers are mad. This is ridiculous. Like, why would you do? I mean, I understand why you would do this, but. It's like, do you need to do this? Is this is this really required? Just don't lie about it's it. It's fucking like, that's destiny. the thing is, like, why would you? Why? Because it's I, I don't know. I just don't know why you wouldn't just be honest about that. That's how the system works. Like, why yeah, lie it, and because like obviously someone's gonna catch you. It's not even that bad. I mean, it's it's pretty it's pretty stupid, but it's not it's not the most egregious thing I've ever heard. Yeah, of. like you know, <laughs> if this is what you want to do, then do yeah. it. But don't don't lie about it don't keep it from from people like, they're gonna figure yeah, it out because i'm with you i don't even think that's unreasonable like if they were just like hey yeah we don't want you to be able to just farm light this way and we're gonna we're not letting you do it like so yeah you're right so here exactly. let, me, let me let me read a little bit more uh from from kirk's article here because he points out how this plays into the microtransaction system and why this is such a problem So he says, the whole issue is a bigger deal than it might otherwise have been, chiefly because of the way XP is tied in with Destiny 2's Eververse microtransaction hub. Bungie could have had any number of reasons for designing the XP system the way they did, but many players were quick to ascribe the most obvious and nefarious reasoning. That Bungie wants players to feel like they're making progress more slowly in order to encourage them to spend money to get bright engrams faster. If players could simply grind public events over and over for XP, they'd eventually get so many bright engrams that they'd run out of cosmetic items to chase. Wow. Anger yeah. about the XP system has been boiling over in recent days, which has been compounded by disappointment with this week's lackluster promotional stream for the upcoming Curse of the Osiris expansion, as well as general dissatisfaction with the state of Destiny 2 two months after launch. In October, game director uh, Christopher Barrett shared a long list of improvements that are in the works, but since then, players have gotten scant further information uh, on when those improvements might be coming. It's nice to see Bungie responding to players on the XP issue, though it feels as though its hand was forced this time around. It's unlikely it'll do much to diffuse the tensions enveloping in the Destiny 2 community, which are only exacerbated each time players have to take it upon themselves to figure out what's going on behind the scenes. Hopefully, Bungie's future communications will be clear and more proactive. Otherwise, the tension will grow. Only grow, excuse me. Oh, yeah. So, um, thank you so much uh, from Kirk on that one. I think that was a wonderful article. Um, yeah. And fuck all the fucking Kotaku haters because they do some good work. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I just I really think that this is this is only so bad because they're lying. You know, I, yeah, I think yeah. I to your point, right, Sean? Like you wowed at that thing of like, oh, this is clearly this clearly exists to push you towards microtransactions. And I think if you were just transparent about that, like it's like, hey, you can only do the community events like one time because that's just how it is. Like that would be, I don't know. I feel like that would be better than the way that they were just misrepresenting it and trying to indirectly funnel you there. Here's an example in heroes of the, or in, in hearthstone, you can only earn gold. So every three games that you win, you earn gold. That's capped at X amount of wins uh, because they don't, they, first of all, they don't want you to figure out a way to game the system. Uh, you can have bots play for you. But beyond that, they don't want you to be able to just play all day and just be really good and earn an insane amount of gold. So it's capped. 
you can get the things that gold provides you with by paying money. So one could make the leap that, okay, they want to push you towards microtransactions. They want to push you towards paying money to buy packs instead of allowing you an infinite gold system. You could make that argument. No one does. Why? Because people just inherently trust Blizzard and they were very, very clear about how it worked. No one had to data mine. No one had to do any sleuthing or number crunching or anything. This is the way they laid it out. If Destiny, if Bungie said, this is what we want to do, then people would say, you know, okay, no, that's not cool with us. And then Bungie would have to respond. But the reaction is totally different depending on how Bungie plays it. And they played it the worst possible way by trying to lie and hide that this was the way it worked. Yep. And I think it's it's also worth pointing out that there's a really big difference between, you know, like we've used Hearthstone and Heroes of the Storm as examples a lot, right? The difference there is those games are free too. Like I think having right. a system that in a game like that is built around encouraging you to spend money is like, yeah, that's how free-to-play games work. You know, like... It's the same thing of like, you know, um, to take it back to Animal Crossing, right? Like every time I try to make a thing, I don't have the resources I need or I want to speed something up. It's like, hey, do you want to use the premium currency? And I'm earning it by playing the game. But if I didn't have it, I'd have to spend money. And it's the thing of like, well, what's the value judgment for you? Do you want to wait until tomorrow so you can do your dailies again? Or do you want to spend the money and keep playing? And... Some people will argue that that's predatory. I think as long as it doesn't get in the way of your ability to play and enjoy the game, it's fine. And it sounds like Hearthstone has that balance. And I know from experience that um, Animal Crossing does, you know. So I think it's different for Destiny because Destiny has a price tag. There's a, there's a you know, a price of admission. But yeah, I think just making a, a, a situation where it's clear how much you're able to earn. It's capped at a reasonable level. And you're able to farm a certain amount, you know, like, but yeah, I mean, I don't think it's unreasonable for, for them to put a system in place that does cap your ability to earn. So you can't just never spend money on stuff because they do want you to spend money. And like, I don't think that like, I don't think that them wanting you to spend money on their microtransaction transaction system makes them evil. I think trying to trick you into spending money on their microtransaction system is what makes it evil. You know, right. like, that and- to me is predatory. And on top of that, man, like, it, it, dude, it always amazes me. Games like Destiny have a com- such a community, right? Like, that game is built on its community. The way that they force you to, like, interact with other players, like, most of the stuff, you know, like, our friend Jared had said many times, like, it's really not fun unless you have friends to play with. So that's why there's, like, there's the clan that they have and everyone in there. If you, if you try to trick people in a game where people pay much, much attention to it, because it's a close-knit friendship-forming game like that, you know? It always amazes me that they want to pull the rug over people, you know, it's, it's like not in a game like Destiny. Get away with it. Not in a game like Destiny, dude. Don't do it no. there. It's like if they if they went to World of Warcraft or something and they tried to do something, there's you know, ten million players and someone's gonna figure it out. You don't you don't try to fucking trick people, especially in a game that you built a community with, you know? Yeah. And the trust that that community has in Destiny is now shaken. Which sucks it, because they yeah, have like really Bungie's you know, had a really good communication with that, that right. community. It sounds like they've taken a hit. And, you know, like, that kind of sucks because Bungie and, you know, Destiny is their, their bread and butter. And uh, I guess, I guess like, you said something about, like, um, two months in, there's, like, more patches to come. But they haven't really heard about that. Yeah, so, and a lot, a lot of people are just unhappy with the state of the game right now because right. they've run out of things to do. 
Mm. Right. I have heard that. I think if you're a casual Destiny 2 player, you're probably fine. But the hardest of the hardcore are mad because there's nothing for them to do and there hasn't been anything for them to do for a while. But there is an expansion coming out, so that's supposed to fix that. Yeah, and it's coming out in like two weeks. So, um, yeah, I'm going to I think I want to try and have Tyler back on when that comes out so we can talk about all that. I know Peggy's playing, too, so the two of them can talk about Destiny because, you know. Uh, we can only talk about it at kind of from an academic standpoint right now. Um, well, from my armchair general stance, I just like their policy. Yeah. Uh, so I will say um, we'll probably talk about this next week, but following the backlash, the game's director, Luke Smith, took to Twitter yesterday at the time of this recording to promise that he and project lead Mark Mouseworthy, which is a f- – or Moseworthy, excuse me. Mm. Um, I was going to say Mouseworthy is a dope name. Uh, <laughs> will be addressing uh, the community this week somehow. So he said on Twitter, next week, the Destiny 2 team will update the system side of the December update. It includes economy updates, uh, and then in parentheses, he says vendors and acquiring their gear, tokens, legendary shards, uh, investment updates, the parenthetical reads, new reward systems for weapons and armor, gameplay updates, and more. And then he says, additionally, Noseworthy, who is, you know, the guy I just mentioned, and I will be answering some questions and addressing community feedback we've been reading since launch. See you soon. So uh, I'm sure we'll have thoughts on that next week, and uh, we'll we'll talk about it from there. But that's going to take us into our meat and potatoes this week. So I wanted to talk to you guys about the issue of transparency with big publishers. You know, and we talked about transparency in game development uh, a few weeks ago um, with some of the thoughts from um, that Xbox head, whose whose name I'm forgetting right now. Um, but this this week, specifically this last story, and then our first story about CD Projekt, has got me thinking about this, where, you know, I think you see a lot of indie developers and, you know, some of the, sm- you know, not small developers, but smaller AAA developers like CD Projekt, who get a lot of goodwill specifically because of how they keep an open line of communication with players, you know, with their community. Uh, Rocket League comes to mind as a game like that, you know, um, that has won enormous points with its community for speaking clearly and often about what's going on, both good and bad, right? Like when the game first came out and they were getting slammed with more uh, server traffic than they expected, the game was in a bad state. And instead of just sitting quietly or whatever, they got out in front of it, they talked to the community and uh, they were transparent and that garnered them goodwill that they've continued to cultivate with a, a very active and engaged community. So I wanted to ask you guys, why do you think we don't see that same kind of transparency from bigger publishers? You know, people like EA. Um, and, and do you think it's as simple of, you know, as the, the well-worn narrative of kind of the, you know, big bad suit versus the independent artist? I mean, they don't have to be transparent. Because they make money hand over fist. Uh, how much money is Bungie going to lose for what they chose to do? How they chose to handle the EXP system, or not not the EXP system, but the you know the the microtransaction, the light system that they have in place. How much money are they going to lose? Uh, maybe not that much. Probably not a lot when you consider what their bottom line is. It's probably not that damaging. For and them. how many people already Where? bought the game and are still going to play because you know they'll fix the system and they'll move on. Yeah. Right. Whereas if an indie developer makes the same kind of choice, every single person playing the game matters a whole lot more. 
So they have to treat them more respectfully. They have to get out ahead of this stuff and they have to be transparent. I think it's it's pretty, you know, uh, clear cut why these companies think they can get away with stuff like that. Yeah, the one of the EA spokespersons was talking uh recently I was reading an article um he said like about the shutting down of the loot boxes for um for Star Wars Battlefront to basically it's not going to affect the income. Like EA is going to be fun. They're like trying to say to the shareholders like don't worry, we're still going to make money. It's okay. So I mean running on that like if they could have shut it off all along, you know, and, and it wouldn't have bothered the game. You know, yeah. they just want money, and that's fine. So they don't well, need to... Well, to be fair, that's also probably a thing that they're saying to their shareholders of, like, no, I, no, we're, we're I, fine. I understand, but, like... <laughs> it could, yeah, but, I mean, to, but to go back to what Sean's saying, like, they really aren't going to lose that much money, you know? Like, it's, it's not going to break them. You know, this isn't... You know, even if no one bought, I think anyone bought a single copy of Battlefront 2, the company wouldn't go under anytime soon, you know? Yeah, yeah. EA's fine even if this game is a flop. Right. So you can't have an indie company come out with a game that's like, this is our first game, and people don't like something about it and not say anything about it and not let it go. Because the second you make a second game, they're going to say, well, you never took care of the first one. How are we going to trust? You just made money to make a second game now? You know, it doesn't look good, you know? So. Yeah, and your reputation matters more when you're small, for sure. Absolutely, yeah. And your reputation matters when you're large too, but you can afford to take a hit. Yeah, you can afford mistakes that smaller guys can't. Right. Um, But so then where do you guys think that that, uh, a company like CD Projekt fits into that, right? Like why don't – because I mean you look at them, right? Like they're big. They – Witcher 3 was their first really big game. So they're not huge. They're like up and coming. But they're making money hand over fist on that game and – the world's eyes are on them right now, right? They still are acting with that smaller ethos. And I think even, like, a company like Ubisoft, right, who, like, we, uh, you know, we'll give them their lumps, we're due, but I think you look at Ubisoft, Ubisoft is way more personable than EA. Oh, yeah. You yeah, know Eve you, you Gilmont. You know the CEO. He mm-hmm. comes out on stage, you know? Like, he's – there's a th- – there's a – Human side. I mean, yeah, to he's an android, but I don't it's okay. see like, EA or Activision. At least they tries to be human. I I totally understand. Um, the like the thing about EA to Ubisoft, you know, the difference. Like, I I don't really necessarily like either one more than the other for different reasons. But I think it comes into play that like when EA has so much more money than something like that, and the, the fact that they could could fail, you know, probably two or three times more over than Ubisoft could. You know, um, I'm not like happy when I see Ubisoft games have bugs. Like, I love Rainbow Six Siege, you know, and like they fucked around with that a lot, but like I still like that game, you know. I do like what Ubisoft puts out, you know, a lot of times. So it's, it's one of those things that like they have gone, they, they have garnered enough goodwill by coming out a couple of times and saying like, yeah, you know, sorry, like this thing got fucked up or whatever, or they'll fix something or whatever. And, and they do. They, the thing is with Ubisoft, they seem to try to fix their mistakes at least, you know. Well, and I, again, I think they're honest, right? Because like a lot of people, a lot of people talked shit about Eve for this statement. But years ago, he made yeah. that famous statement where he said, yeah. "We'll stop putting out an Assassin's Creed every year when you stop buying them." That I like that. I appreciate that transparency because he's being real. He's like, "Games are a business. The fans of Assassin's Creed buy the shit every year and like it. So why would we stop making it?" And as soon as they did see a drop off in interest, they're like, "Okay, cool. We'll go back to the drawing board." And it's like, yeah, I'm not saying that Ubisoft is perfect. I'm not saying that they don't do things that are gross or that I don't like, but I I don't I don't think they get the same level of of ire 
from gamers because I do think they're more human, they're more transparent, uh, more akin to somebody like CD, CD Projekt. Yeah, I mean, they probably started somewhere along the lines of CD Projekt Red. Like, I don't necessarily know their history that well, and maybe they always had that. I mean, they were, you know, they were small up until fairly, you know, recently, up until That's what I always generation. thought, man. I, I played a couple Ubisoft games when I was younger, but I, I feel like they have a similar story to CD Projekt, you know, because now they're, they're like a household name. And I, I didn't remember them being that way when I was younger, you know? Yeah, I mean, in the 90s, like, you know, I remember the first Ubisoft game I ever played was Rayman, and that was, like, when they were a real small publisher. Um, but, yeah, so, Sean, what, what are your thoughts on that vis-a-vis, like, those kinds of bigger names? I mean, you know, EA has always struck me, or not always, but, I, I mean, in, you know, since they've been big, they've struck me as more akin to being a... <laughs> A company that doesn't work in games. Yeah, like, I agree. They don't behave like a gaming they company. They feel very I know what you corporate. Mean. Yeah. And I think that's where it comes from. They come across as very icy, very just this is the product. This is what we're going to do. We're going to make as much money as we possibly can. And we don't really care what you think about it. They've always come across that way to me. And I think that that's the way that gamers have perceived them. And that's why they were voted the worst company in the year <laughs> two years in a row. Yeah. I'm never going to stop saying that because it's a fact and that's what they deserve. <sighs> See, <laughs> they deserve the hate. Worst company in the world, though. It's, it's fucking Comcast. Come on, guys. <laughs> um, oh, God. But uh, yeah. So but what, what do you think the issue is there? Like, why do you think that they don't adopt a more open policy? A more transparent. Exactly Dude, they just right. don't have to. Like they, they just to. don't have to. Because until their until their balls are in a vice and someone, you know, they, their money is just drying up enough that they look and they say, "Well, we've only got one billion instead <laughs> of two. Do you think? Do you think? Change, uh, you know? Do you think that Star Wars and and this debacle is going to be a big ma- a, a major learning experience for them? Because I mean, like we said about it affecting their bottom line, right? Our second news story. I mean, the game's clearly suffering. Microtransactions are turned off and sales are down 50, 60% um, from where they thought they would be based on projections in one of their biggest markets. Yeah, I think it's going to be a major learning experience for them, but not in the way that we hope. I think like they're going to learn how far they can push, but that Mm -hmm. doesn't mean they're not going to push, you know? I think we would like them to stop fucking around, but I know they're going to do that to an extent. So. That's where they're going to learn their, a little their bit. Their communication throughout this entire process has been garbage. Uh, you know, their reaction to the problem in terms of what they actually did in terms of shutting stuff down is fine. But it doesn't come across as like this is what we had to do to please our audience because they because we value them. It came across as this is what we have to do to stop the bleeding. Yeah. And... And it, it also, we know for a fact <laughs> yeah. that the CEO of Disney, Bob Iger, was extremely unhappy with how this is playing out because they don't want Star Wars to have this kind of reputation or be associated with what EA is doing. Yeah, man. You know, fuck yeah, with the mouse. Well, that's the thing, right? Is Star Wars is a hugely valuable IP, and EA is is uh, tangibly doing damage to Star Wars as a video game brand with this. Um, you know, this this string of controversies. You know, the two games that have come out of this deal so far have not been well-received, you know? Yeah, which is sad because, you know, Star Wars, like, always has this potential to be amazing. But Well, and it's also the thing so, of, like, when they made this deal, it was like, oh, dice? All right, fuck yeah. 
Like, yeah. It's like, I, Dice right. is great. You know, Battlefront, or not Battlefront, Battlefield is a great series if you're into shooters, you know? So the fact that this game has now come out twice and sucked is just like, it's, it's a shame. It's a shame. It's really disappointing. Yeah, it's very unfortunate to to see something that we care about like Star Wars, you know, and to have it come out twice like this, just really unfortunate, man. Yeah. You know, like I, so Star Wars games to me like have always felt like very polarizing. Like they're either fucking great or they're terrible. Yep. Like there was that one PS one like Phantom Menace game where it was like a top down thing. You couldn't see anything as oh the camera. Oh my god! And it's like yeah. that was like one out of ten, you know. And then on the same like year, I think you had the pod racing game, and it's like oh well, okay, you know. So we have. Always got this, and it's it's sad to see that like this is gonna get shoved probably under the rug, you know, um, because of all this stuff. I mean, the first one definitely no one really there was fans of course, but like it didn't set the world on fire. Yeah, I, I think, liked it. It was okay. Yeah, but I I think the the really sad thing is that we were hoping this one would bring people into it, you know, and yeah. revitalize it, and like and make people like you who spent time with it and who did like it. Enjoyed the second one especially. Yeah, and I I went from being very excited about this game and very very hyped for the single player to just being like I have no interest in playing it now. I'm not even I'm not even gonna pick it up at all. Um, the single player is apparently bad, and you know, like I'm not interested in the multiplayer enough, even if it is good, to pick it up for sixty bucks. You know, so it's a shame. I do hope it's a learning opportunity for them. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I, 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 oh, go ahead, Sean. I was just going to say, man, I, I wouldn't even bet on it. I, I, I wouldn't even bet on it. If they, if they're going to get another opportunity to make another game and will they do things differently than this time around? Yeah. But again, to me, that's not representative of a change in the way that EA sees gaming development or, putting games out or anything like that. It just means that they got their asses handed to them on a silver platter by Disney and gamers, and they realize, all right, well, we can't do that. What can we do? You know, it's always going to come down to that. Oh, if, if the next uh, game that they, they force to, to make, you know, if that's garbage too, they'll just blame Dice, you know? And then that's like, they can just cut them off, you know? Like, at one point, like, EA's... EA's not going to care, I think, in the long run, you know? It's just a matter of money that... It's not like they care about getting bad, you know, public sentiment. Yeah. They're just yeah, that, seeing dollars not coming in. Right, right. I, I think that's the bottom line issue I see with them is, like, I, I look at EA and the way that they communicate, the way that they um, seem to prior... Where, where their priorities seem to lie, and... It's clear that the relationship between us and EA is that of business and consumer, not of creator and fan. And, and I think that's different uh, even at a big company like Ubisoft. I do. Um, the way that they talk to their community, the way that they um, – just the way that they do kind of seem to have a more games-first mentality – like, obviously, Ubisoft's in the business of making money, but they also put out a lot of small games that are not nearly as profitable as their big ticket shit because, you know, like, I think they really are a, still a game development company run by gamers. Um, or at least it feels that way. And uh, I, you know, I think 
I don't get that same vibe from companies like EA uh, or even Activision. I think Activision doesn't get – the only reason Activision doesn't get shit on as much as EA in my mind is because they own Blizzard and Blizzard gives them street cred. I hated Activision before they bought uh, Blizzard. Yep. Yeah. I don't even think about 100%. Activision. 100%. Yeah. Like the fa- like the whenever they get shit, my first instinct is, well, how much does this have to do with Blizzard? And if it doesn't, I move along. I it's don't like, like Activision either. It's it's like a jo- Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde kind of situation for me. <laughs> like they're the same, but one is beautiful and majestic and one is just this horrid wretch. Like Activision bought the patent for uh, the sit- the system that they created for uh, for microtransactions, you know, that like to to show off to people and try to get you to entice them more. So that's like a very predatory patent oh, yeah. that they design. You know, it's like you know, again, but Blizzard's there, so it's like okay, great, everything's cool. I don't care. I think, you know? I think it's also <laughs> doesn't bother me. I think it's also that Activision <laughs> delivers on their shit better than EA. You know, like, they do. I mean, fucking even Konami does. Like, you know, a lot of times, you know, like <laughs> yeah, it's just but like, I mean, like you know, you, I hate, I hate them, but come on. But it's like when you look at look at Activision, the stuff that they do that's not Blizzard, right? I, I don't care yeah. how you feel about it. Call of Duty is good every year. You know, like people who like shooters like Call of Duty, and a lot of people look at it as the golden standard, and that's why it continues to make money and continues to be what it is. They've got that shit down to a well oiled machine, and it's quality. You know, and like for the most part, your mileage may vary, I guess, with Destiny 2 right now. But Bungie and their partnership there has been another huge win for them where I feel like Activision definitely is a little more in the background than EA. And they're not like one to like scoop people up and close them down or have major controversies. Like they do a lot of shitty, gross things, but they're usually pretty above board about it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's weird to see. Yeah, and It's interesting, I always think, because I feel like you don't see that level of hate for them. And I don't know that they're less deserving of it um, in general. I just think that they're smarter about it and they communicate better. They don't put themselves out in front as much either. You know, Activision yeah, they doesn't definitely show stay up in at, the shadows. They don't show up at sure. uh, E3 or anything like that, you know? Like, not yeah. in the way that... Yeah, they don't, they don't want people to talk bad, you know? They're yeah. just like, if we don't show up, they can't say bad shit. It's like, we're just going <laughs> to make, you know, piles and piles of money quietly. <laughs> it's good on them. Yeah. I guess, right? I mean, you're not pissing people off, so that's the, that's the good thing, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Right, right. Happy wife, happy life, right? <laughs> anyway, uh, so I, I think unless you guys have any closing thoughts, I feel like that's a good place to wrap up the conversation. EA was voted uh, worst company in the world or in the U.S. Uh, two years in a row. <laughs> An addendum to that. I heard once that EA was voted worst company in the world or the U.S. twice. Good stuff, guys. All right, so that's going to wrap up the conversation here on episode 31 of the Video Game Pals. Uh, did I say that right in the beginning, or did I say it was episode 30? Now I'm thinking about it. Huh. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> well, it was episode 31, everybody. So uh, thank you guys again so much for joining us here on another episode. Remember, if you guys want to connect with us, have your thoughts read on the air about any of the stuff that we talked about today, uh, you can hit us up at thevideogamepals at gmail.com. You can also hit us up with your random questions. Um, games you'd like to see us play, anything like that, really. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Um, you can also connect with us at the Comics Pals, anywhere your social media is sold, to keep up to date with all the stuff we've got going on here at the Pals Network. Um, go check out the Comics Pals if you're a comic book reader. Check out Pals Play uh, Monday through Friday. Uh, check out the Riverdale Review if you watch Riverdale. Go watch our wrestling special if you like wrestling. I think that's all the things I have to plug. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and the eSports special. Boom. We're making all kinds of fun content, you guys. 
Uh, so go check that stuff out. We would really appreciate it. Let us know what you think about it. Let us know what kind of stuff you'd like to see us do moving forward, and we'll make sure that we do it. And uh, until next week, we have been the Video Game Pals, and uh, I love you. Take care, guys. Goodbye. <laughs>